Welcome to Fraud Busting. I'm Tracy Brown, the Fraud Busting Body Language Expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion dollar business deals. It's time to dive in so you can beat the fraudsters at their own game and build your bottom line. In this episode, we're talking to Christine Parma all about the psychology of being defrauded. She's going to unveil the mindset, behavior, and beliefs of allowing yourself to be defrauded. The three or four steps to help you strengthen the trust of yourself so that you won't be taken advantage of and how to get past any shame and guilt that you may have around making a bad decision and losing money. You're going to really like this episode. It's super valuable. Keep listening. Hi, it's Tracy. Just a quick thought. What would you do with $4? Probably go to Starbucks for a coffee. Well, that'll almost cover it. Maybe get four tacos at Taco Bell. Uh, With that same money, a hacker can buy all of your info. I mean, social security number, credit card numbers, passwords, health insurance info, and yes, even your kids' information. Now, I've searched around on the dark web, and it's a good bet your info is out there for sale waiting to be used. If you're lucky... It'll just be a few charges to your credit card, but smart hackers are tapping into your credit to buy TVs, cars, houses, use your medical insurance, and even take over your banking and investment accounts, effectively kicking you out of your own accounts. You're the one that's going to be stuck with this big problem, have mystery bills due, and need to get your money back while repairing your good credit. Now, the folks at ID Shield know this and have the solution. I've teamed up with them on their ID theft insurance. It's comprehensive, it's inexpensive, and it will let you rest easy. They will replace any money you lost, give you access to their team of licensed private investigators to do whatever it takes to repair your credit score. Yep, they'll do the heavy lifting and spend all the hours on the phone and the time it takes to restore your online reputation to pre-breach levels. You, your money, and your reputation are worth more than $4. Treat yourself like it. Go to fraud-busting.com slash IDShield to learn more and get covered today. It's fraud-busting.com slash IDShield. We'll see you on the protected side when you get there. Welcome to Fraud Busting. I am Tracy Brown and I am thrilled today because we have Christine Parma with us. Now, um, let me tell you about Christine. Uh, for one, I grew up, we grew up together and I grew up calling her Nikki and I might slip up um, in our interview and call her that today, but she's going by Christine now. And she has uh, become really obsessed with helping uh, leaders, purpose-driven leaders, grow their companies. She is an amazing uh, transformation and performance coach. She's helped me a little bit, really understand my value. And uh, she helps clients get past what's been limiting them so that they can really live the life of, um, of their dreams. And she has a real interesting fraud story for us. But uh, so Nikki, thank you. So I already messed (laughs) up. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Yeah, see, they they get a two for one here. They get Christine and Nikki on the interview. (laughs) Oh, there you go. There you go. All right, so we've known each other since we were five, and we have just kept in touch all through um, school and college, and um, now you're living in Vietnam. That's where we're recording this from, uh, because your husband's over there. Tell us what he's doing. Well, he is, oh gosh, let's see, what can I reveal? It's top secret. (laughs) Is it top secret? Well, it has something to do with shoes. We can Yes, yes. He he works for a major uh, apparel brand, we'll put it that way. And he is over here taking care of expanding the, the company's reach and in really diversifying their manufacturing. We'll put it that there way. There you go. All right. Okay. We'll <laughs> Which is, you know, that. with the current situation going on, I think, you know, the whole question of how many eggs you put into one basket is really up for a lot of people and a lot mm-hmm. of companies. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, you all have been in lockdown for a lot longer than what um, we've been here in, yes. in the States. So how has that been going? What's What's been the strangest thing that you've had to get used to in 
not going out of the house and being locked down in a foreign country? <laughs> the strangest thing. Well, you know, so we have been basically self-isolating, although it was really by choice at the beginning, but since mid-January, mm -hmm. because uh, we realized early on when the Lunar New Year was happening, we happened, we were kind of just tired. We wanted to stay home and rest. And we realized that, you know, when it was about the time that China revealed the coronavirus was going on and we're like, OMG, there are over a billion people who travel throughout Asia and, and other parts of the world, but mostly in Asia for Lunar New Year. And as soon as Lunar New Year is over, all of those people are going to be coming back from China, from all of these other places, mixing in airports, and the virus is going to explode. So we uh, took it upon ourselves to stock up on the things we needed to early, um, to to make some decisions about if we were going to stay here or if we we're going to go back to the U.S. And ultimately, we decided to stay here partially from, um, and this goes, you know, kind of goes into and introduces the whole, I think the whole concept we're going to get into here, which is about belief systems and belief mm -hmm. sets and how people perceive what's going on around them. Because there's a very different perception here in Asia about, uh, about, the coronavirus, number one, and how seriously it was taken, I think a lot in part because of past experience with SARS and some other uh, epidemics that they've handled. And what I've noticed is people, at least in Vietnam, the locals are far more willing to temporarily trade their freedom and certain things that you know we Westerners would would get all up in arms about uh, not having the right, but they will actually take the steps and and follow government instruction in order to be protected and to be safe. Um, and I think it comes a lot from having you know in this region, especially having a decades of hardship and sacrifice, and they know viscerally in this lifetime, you know, in this generation, what what that feels like and they're willing to to make sacrifices in order to preserve the gains that they've had um, and to stay healthy because mm -hmm. becoming unhealthy here is a really um and the medical system let's just say is not the best in the world right <laughs> so well, you want to stay healthy well we're recording here and it's april gosh end of april we're having protests and uh, they're about to open everything back up and uh well, we'll see how that mm -hmm. goes. We'll see if it, if um, yeah. if we look back in a couple months and regret that, or if it turned out okay. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think Americans are much less compliant um, and much definitely more, much more uh, uh, willing to speak up about what they think, uh, especially when they have a little bit of extra time on their hands, like uh, they've had here the last couple months to sit around and think about who's oppressing them so yeah. um, be, be it right or wrong it's just the truth of how things go so okay let's I always ask my um, my guests just a, a couple questions so that everyone can can get to know you so I am going to throw out the uh, regular questions and we are going to jump into a little quiz show about growing up to see how, uh, how see if we remember it the same and yes. how, how well we know each other. So just, just real quick. Um, okay. What was our favorite pastime? We had two things that we really liked to do whenever we would hang out, which was like every day. What yes. were they? Go. It was climbing trees, playing in the fort. Yep. Uh, and I, Gosh, well, I mean, we made a zip line <laughs> one yeah, time between the trees. With, with the quarter inch rope, that thing was not. Yes, yeah, the quarter inch <laughs> cotton rope that didn't go so well. <laughs> About no the fourth fell out of the air, but man, I, I plummeted to the ground. Did you? Yes, oh, I'm just saying. Yes. Yeah. Um, playing in the creek. Yep, yep. The yeah, creek. and mm -hmm. generally being tomboys. <laughs> generally, generally so. Yeah, yeah. Man, we had that fort dialed in, and then man, we yes. went to junior high, and what happened? It just went by the wayside. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, you grow up, you get older, you change your name. To yeah, Christine. you did. You changed your name. Like I said, I never got the memo on it. You'll always be me uh, to me. And and if I told, if I went and told my mom, hey, I talked to Christine, she'd be like, who? 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 <laughs> and I, I, I went to your wedding 
and, and I sat at a table with people we didn't know, me and my mom and dad. And, um, and I asked them when I said, hey, how long have you known Nikki? And they looked at me, they're like, who's that? I'm like, it's the bride, you crazy. Like, okay, I get you have not known her that long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, have- you're, you're from the way back people or the direct family members, if, yeah. if you know that about me. And now your listeners know that about me too. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So call her Nikki, she'll think that you're old pals. And yes. uh, anyway, okay, now you got to ask me a question. Okay, so... Um, what was, what was the coolest birthday party of mine that you ever went to? What did oh, we get I know to this. Do? I know this one because you always had the cool birthday parties. And I got to tell you, because your birthday is December, what, 8th? 8th? Yeah, 7th yeah. or 8th. I knew that. And um, it was always the beginning of the Christmas season. Like Christmas started yeah. after your birthday. And even to this day, I think about it. I'm like, oh, Christmas is starting. That we start. <laughs> Starting Christmas. So you had two that I remember. I think the coolest one was when y'all were about to remodel your house. Yeah. And your we we put up plastic around like to block off the part that wasn't like a dust shield, the part that wasn't gonna get yeah. torn out. And your mom went out and bought us all the spray paint we could legally buy. And we graffitied the whole inside of, <laughs> of your house completely there if we had a little match in there it would have gone up <laughs> in <laughs> just one big explosion yeah and i remember we kind of portioned off places for everyone to have their own little artwork yeah. and then by the end nobody was paying any attention no to no it was just it was complete chaos so yeah, and i good time i think it was really it was extra cool because i think it was like eight eight or nine we were, we were quite young like yeah. way too young really to be trusted with spray paint cans <laughs> but it didn't matter because the house was being bulldozed that part of it so. <laughs> I know, that was so fun okay all right uh, well we did good we did good on the how well yes. you know each other quiz so yeah. okay now let's talk a little bit about um about your history with uh, financial fraud because it's been um pretty severe i would say yes and and one of the things that i noticed as i read your bio that you sent is that like you've always had a big heart to really help people Mm -hmm. so so let's talk about uh how you got into the situation like what you were doing and then what happened and whole thing let us know yeah and really you know this took me it was very very painful time of in my life and took me um a good over 10 years to be able to talk about this because i felt so ashamed of of and guilty and and i'll get into you know why all of that but i you know part of the reason i wanted to talk about this in this context of fraud is because it can happen to anybody. And I, over the years of trying to really heal from this experience that was deeply traumatic for me, I've learned a lot about myself, mindset, you know, human psychology, and what really allows people, um, how they allow themselves really to be convinced that something is true Mm-hmm. And to maybe someone else, it's pretty obvious that it's not true and okay. allow themselves to be suckered in or defrauded. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reason I want to share this is because I'm hoping that it will help someone not go through this. And if you have been defrauded, if you have lost money, uh, that you can move past the shame mm-hmm. and the guilt and the beating yourself up because that goes along with it. And the situation that we find ourselves in, just like uh, your your interview with, I believe her name was Mary. Mm-hmm. She was talking about, you know, when- Mary Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when times get tough economically, that's when number one, the fraudsters come out even more, but number two, when people are far more susceptible to being defrauded. And so, you know, to give you, I guess, give you the short version of my story, it was about um, 2004, 2005 when this when this really the situation that I ended up being basically a part of a Ponzi scheme Mm -hmm. I started happening and it was it to give you some context um, I lost my sister to a car accident in 2002 and that was 
far more devastating and traumatic to me than I ever could have imagined. And I, I was in a depression for, you know, for several years where I would, you know, emotionally, I couldn't control myself. I, emotionally, I would cry just in the middle of the grocery store every day. I was crying. And so when you think about what's happening and what could be coming up as a longer period of um, stress and anxiety and financial uncertainty for people. Some people are in the, a very similar emotional state where they feel devastated. Yeah, big right loss. Now. Yeah, they're grieving for what the dreams that they lost, the life they had, the connections they have to other people. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, it's really similar to experiencing like the loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in that state and that mindset, you're not thinking clearly, right? And, and it really comes down to, I think that your ability to perceive and suss out what's true and what's not true can be compromised in a really big way. Oh yeah. And so I was a, you know, had gotten this job in financial services and had a, you know, a mentor who was, you know, helping me learn the business. I kind of fell into this mm -hmm. and I trusted him and I looked up to him and this is another, another part of it is that people have the tendency to give authority, more authority at, over to, to people they perceive as more experienced. You know, yeah, and that's yeah. like, it's called a presti prestige authority or you accept their like a mm -hmm. pre prestige suggestion. That's, that's what they call it in uh, hypnotic speak. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Which is totally, you know, it's very mm -hmm. understandable. So if somebody is, you know, has more years in the industry or more experience under the, their belt, you are going to look at them as an authority and be more likely to trust them. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what happened. And unfortunately what happened, and I truly believe um, this man was deceived himself because he actually put a lot of money of his own money into what ended up being this Ponzi scheme. But the the, the guise that this Ponzi scheme was wrapped in was something that looked very legitimate. Mm -hmm. And they did everything right <laughs> as far as making it seem real, like, right? Like, uh, like, what are the things that, that you looked at and you were like, yep, but other people looked at it. Cause I know you said your mom even looked at it and she was like, mm. yeah, like she has a fraud detector light. That's just natural. Oh, we couldn't get anything <laughs> past your mom growing up. No, nothing. Like, no, no. The lies. Yeah. That made it tough as a teenager. <laughs> we we, we could get out. some stuff past my mom, but man, not, not, no, not no. Sue Karma. No. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what happened is it was, a, a real estate investment okay. into resorts in like a almost like what you would imagine is you know a hotel in Cancun a hotel chain mm -hmm. in Cancun you know on the surface it's like Cancun's very popular a lot mm -hmm. of tourists go there they they kind of set it up like you would might call it a, a time almost like a timeshare okay. so you're buying units of a time almost like a timeshare situation that when the, those units were rented out by the hotel chain, then it was income to you. So it was kind of like an investment property, right? Okay, right. And I even went so far as to fly down to Cancun with oh, a group wow. of other people, with the guy uh -huh. who I trusted and other people who I deemed as smarter than me, right? Mm -hmm. More savvy, they've you know, been around, they've been in the financial services for a lot longer than I was. So that, I mean, everything, I mean, the hotel was there, the rooms were there, they were, you know, they were full, they were, you know, all of this good stuff. So it seemed like I had done my due diligence or at least mm -hmm. to some extent, but this is the really important piece uh, to pay attention to. Number one is there was a part of me in my gut, mm -hmm. <laughs> you call it intuition, your higher self, divine guidance, whatever you want to call it, sure. or just gut knowing that was like, eh, eh, uncomfortable. Uh -huh. But I allowed my mind and what seemed like logical reasons that this mm -hmm. was a good investment to override my inner knowing. Okay. And then on top of it, like you, you said, my mom, that's this like fraud detector nose on her, said, this, something doesn't seem right about this. Uh -huh. It doesn't seem right. I don't think you should do it. But I had people who were 
authority figures in my life mm -hmm. saying this is a great deal. It wasn't, it wasn't so crazy, right? There was a return on investment, but it was like 11%. Okay. That's what they were touting. So not totally unreasonable, especially, you know, at that time, uh -huh. um, that would be the average return. So everything, mm -hmm. and this is what they, part of what they did so right, is they made everything seem reasonable, uh -huh. like reasonable enough that if people were having doubts that this was a legitimate thing, uh -huh. that the, the evidence, the facts, quote unquote, could override the doubts okay. in certain people, you know, some people I'm sure said no, you know, lots of people I'm sure said no. And even though I had kind of like this inner warning, now looking uh -huh. back on it, this is how I have this perspective. This is now, you know, over 15 years later. Right, right. And, um, you know, and then of course there was, you know, my mom who I had, um, <laughs> oh, let's just say the, the relationship has not always been, um, fantastic, right? Not as sure. good as it is now. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, that, so I was looking at her saying, don't do this through the lens of, well, if you're saying not to do it, then I'm going to do it. Kind uh, of like that okay. teenager, uh -huh. you know, retaliate, you know, um, pushing back against, mm -hmm. you know, the, the parent shaking their finger at you. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is all subconscious, of course, right. as you know, you know, uh -huh. and so there's all of these factors going on and it went, well for a while right mm -hmm. um, and i actually am very thankful that there were you know because of the emotional distress i was still in i didn't actually and the, what i did is i ended up sh like telling other people about it and they invested as well but not that many people i mean less than you know a handful thankfully now, now let's let's get back to that now were you selling this to your clients because you were you were working mostly with teachers uh, if I remember, or tell me about it was that. Yeah. Teachers. So the, the, the financial place I was at at the time, that was their, their target audience was teachers. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so that's what I ended up. Um, there was a, a f like two teachers, you know, and then there was a family member I told about mm -hmm. it. So that you talk about guilt right. you know, later and, you know, compared to the overall losses of this Ponzi scheme, which were mm -hmm. immense. And there were a lot of people, um, even judges, you know, mm -hmm. people who would think like a judge would have good judgment, mm -hmm. <laughs> discernment, right? Yeah. That got sucked into this, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it went on for, for years. Um, but, you know, the guilt piece, it's not, it's not only the guilt and the shame around losing my own money because I put mm -hmm. my own money into it, uh, but that I had allowed myself to be deceived to the extent and talked into believing it, you know, and this is, you know, I have to take full responsibility. Mm -hmm. This was allowing this to happen to me. And uh, no matter what the, how, you know, the circumstances were mm -hmm. that I was approaching this with perhaps compromised discernment and judgment, given my, my depression, mm -hmm. uh, it's still my responsibility in, in that I recommended it to other people and they lost money. Mm -hmm. So, so, so let, let's talk about that. So yeah. do you want to reveal how much you put in? You don't have to, but it was, I mean, the, the sum total of the money that everyone put in myself and the people I recommended to it was under a hundred thousand. Under a hundred thousand. Okay. Okay. Which I yep. was later, it was so grateful and, you know, for, um, especially because there were people who put in many hundreds of thousands of their own money. But, uh -huh. you know, I mean, if you're a teacher, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher losing, it doesn't matter. It, it, you know, really the, the amount is not what was so horrifying to me. Mm -hmm. It was the fact that I had tr like trusted, trusted these people mm -hmm. and, and they had lied, right? They had, uh, were deceitful and had sucked, you know, I allowed myself to be sucked in, but that I actually recommended this to other people and thereby perpetuated the harm that was done. Mm -hmm. That's what was so horrifying to me because I would never, ever want to do that to someone. Right. And then, so things, you know, we're afloat for a while. So, and so when, you're, you're getting your checks like quarterly or how are they doing that? Well, the, so some people were taking checks and mm -hmm. some people were, if you want to say, allowing the investment to accumulate. Okay. Right? Reinvesting. So yeah. It's like reinvest the dividends kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And when I started getting the inkling that 
and hearing that people all of a sudden weren't getting their checks anymore. I thought, mm -hmm. oh no, this is, this is not good. So I tried to correct it. I hired attorneys mm -hmm. to try and force the company, the, you know, the, what ended up being the Ponzi scheme company to refund all of the money uh -huh. essentially. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, that when a Ponzi scheme is falling apart, that's it. <laughs> that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And um, a series of very, you know, it just was really traumatic. Everything that happened because, you know, now I was in the full on guilt and shame and the panic of mm -hmm. how do I fix this? How do I undo the harm that I've unwittingly perpetuated upon other people. Mm -hmm. And I was fully focused on that. And then when we got to the point where I'm like, it can't be fixed. Mm -hmm. then it's like, oh my God, how, how can you, how can I fix something, you know, that is unfixable every, and I, the realization that everyone was going to lose their money mm -hmm. and that I had made life more difficult for them became almost unbearable. Wow. And when you, when you, and then there was legal stuff that happened, people sued me. I mean, it got so bad that, you know, Mary talked about what happens when people are under like financial stress. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the, the emotional still, I was still dealing with all of the depression and the emotion from losing my sister, killing myself crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. right. once. Uh -huh. more than, I, honestly, more than once. And the thing that kept me from doing that was I could not do that to my mom. Right. She yeah. had already lost one of her daughters. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to make, you know, hurt her in that way. Right. Now, a lot of people, and I've known people who've committed suicide, mm -hmm. they don't have the mental capacity or the support system or the people around them to allow them to see hope at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have hope, you got nothing. then you've got nothing. Yeah. So, right. so how did this thing play out? Okay. So, so you're hiring lawyers, people aren't getting their checks. Um, you figure out that this is a Ponzi scheme. Like, how'd you figure that out? Cause there must've been a lot of people. Because that, well, the first signs were that people weren't getting their checks. And mm -hmm. then the, you know, the, the older man, he started panicking mm -hmm. because he's like, he had put in over a hundred thousand dollars of his yeah. own money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he had a lot of people mm -hmm. that he had recommended this investment to. And so we, we hired attorneys. I hired my own attorney separately as well to try and we had a meeting mm -hmm. with these investors that we had recommended. And you talk about hard mm -hmm. is to call together the people who you have inadvertently harmed and stand in front of them and say, we're trying to fix this. But there was, Oh, a lot of anger. Yeah. You think? <laughs> and vitriol. And I mean, d justified. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, that was just, absolutely gut-wrenching and then, <laughs> and then just it's like you know when you think sometimes if you've ever felt like everything in life is going wrong and then life heaps another scoop of shiz on your pile yeah that's yeah. what happened because we were literally in the meeting uh with these investors and the attorneys that my mentor had picked these particular attorneys that were recommended to him because this was international we mm -hmm. were trying to deal with international stuff and the attorneys all of a sudden say, I think you should sue Christine and this man. They turned on us, like in the meeting. The attorney and, that you hired turned on yes, you? Yes. Yes. Oh gosh. It was so effed up. Uh -huh. And it's like, and I mean, the man was like, what? Uh -huh. Well, hold on. Just uh -huh. a minute. <laughs> and it, I mean, it turned into a shit show. Uh -huh. Like the, that whole meeting. And so it's like the best efforts to try and fix a situation mm -hmm. just blew up, right? Just I guess. In our faces. Uh -huh. And then it got worse for me later because I made the huge mistake of, um, you know, I was very new in the business at the time and under this mentor and I had gotten my securities license. Mm -hmm. So to heap pain upon pain, then... Um, not only were some of the, a couple of the individual clients doing me, 
but uh, the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission came after me. Oh, man. What and now? I was like, I am very, very tiny minnow mm-hmm. in the very big pond of a lot of people, but this is what happens. And so, you know, when you, when you look back at decisions mm-hmm. that you've made before and you wish you could undo them, mm-hmm. this was at the top, right? Yeah. And I've spent a lot of years looking at what allowed me to get myself, like make the decisions mm-hmm. and a series of decisions that allowed this situation to unfold. Right. Let, let's talk about that. Very painful. I know you're not afraid to look inward and, no. <laughs> and get some answers, right? And, uh, and I mean, that, that's what you help clients with now. So what did yes. you come up with? Did you, like, what's the psychology of being defrauded? Well, I mean, it really, I think it starts with vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? And the vulnerability in your, you know, in yourself, like if you want to call it having your defenses down mm-hmm. can be caused by a lot of different things. It could be something traumatic, you know, a traumatic situation. It can also be conditioning mm-hmm. where if you're brought up or told over and over that you don't have good judgment, that uh, you're conditioned to trust authority figures. I mean, you look at the whole school system. Right, right, right. <laughs> you look at culture in general. Mm-hmm. What are what are at least in, you know, the western world, what are we told growing up that we should trust our elders, that their judgment is better than ours, not to trust your inner knowing and your intuition. Uh-huh. Lie on the facts. Well, the problem is facts can be manipulated, right? It can mm-hmm. be and to oh. not you know and to not trust yourself. We got fake news all the time. Oh, right. It's, it's even more prevalent. You know, I don't even know. I mean, I'm sure it was a thing back then, but it wasn't like it is now. Right. So, so when you are conditioned to not trust yourself, mm-hmm. to not trust your intuition, to uh, give over your power mm-hmm. to others because they know better, they're experts, you're not. Right. And it really puts you in a vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. And then when you keep, you know, financial stress, because, you know, what's happening now and what, you know, happened throughout every uh, great downturn in like the market and the economy is people get desperate for money. And like oh, yeah. Mary said, mm-hmm. good people do things that end up being quote bad things. Well, yeah, right? they just go over the line just a little bit. To- but not even intentionally. I mean, there right. are the people who go over the line intentionally, mm-hmm. but then there are the people who are the good people and normally if they weren't under the duress or the strain that they that they are in that situation, mm-hmm. they would be able to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. But because they, you know, need the money or the the job or they have, you know, had some kind of emotional trauma or their conditioning, it, it's like a crack in the armor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the people who are the white collar criminals and the people who are really good at convincing you and using the psychological triggers, mm-hmm. your, own, your own brain's natural tendencies mm-hmm. against you and exploiting those weaknesses, it allows you to convince yourself mm-hmm. that what the picture that's being painted of everything being great mm-hmm. or oh, this is, you know, this investment is going to return 20%. Oh, because I hear all the facts that they laid out or whatever it is, is actually believable. And you end up convincing yourself that of what you want to believe, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So I wanted to believe there is a part of me, and I've gotten very clear on this over the, the years, there was a part of me that deeply wanted this to believe that this was a real investment Mm -hmm. because I had been and was in so much emotional pain that I needed a win. Yeah, something right? good to happen. Yeah, something good, and I felt so inherently. And this goes really deep into my own struggles with feeling worthy mm-hmm. and unworthiness. Ah, and yeah. I and there's that proving, like, oh, if I can, if I, if this is a real thing, mm-hmm. and everybody makes money, and there's the happy ending that mm-hmm. they painted the picture of, then. I can feel good about myself. Right. And then, but then there's the opposite. When things don't work out. Yeah. Oh, my. Just, it totally proves to me again how unworthy I am. Now, that's a false belief. Sure. The the unworthiness. But in my mind, 
It's like every time I tried something and failed, and this was all through school growing mm -hmm. up. That's why I had to get the A's. I know you always because make the A's. You're I had to because if I didn't make the A, then I didn't have proof that I was a good person. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. That's I mean, this goes this goes really really deep. Uh huh. And when you have and and this is I mean so prevalent throughout mm -hmm. society because we are conditioned to need to prove our own inherent worth mm -hmm. through grades, through good sports performance, through getting a good job, through earning a quote, enough money, through getting the promotion, getting the raise. And if people don't have that positive feedback, if they're struggling with lack of self-worth, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden their ego mind, all of their, their what they've built for themselves as far as the psychological comfort zone is threatened. Oh man, that is deep. I knew we'd do something deep here. So, okay. So yeah. let's, let's talk about that. Cause how, how can people catch themselves falling into one of these traps with their money? Like yeah. what's, what's if we're going to look deep emotionally inside mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the, yeah. cue, the cue is going to be probably just a little bit different for everyone, but there's going to be a commonality there. What is it and how can people recognize it before yeah. things go out of control and they're out a hundred grand? Yeah. So this is, this is where it gets really tricky. And this is a huge part of the work that I do is like the deconditioning mm -hmm. and getting people to the point where they can actually trust themselves and mm -hmm. trust the, their own internal guidance, mm -hmm. you know, even in the face of someone you know, else's authority that's much greater than theirs, quote unquote. Sure. Yeah. Um, because it really comes down to there is, there will be a knowing, a mm -hmm. feeling in your gut. I mean, depending on how, you know, if it's auditory, visual, kinesthetic, et cetera, mm -hmm. how it will show up for you. But there is the part of you that always knows mm -hmm. the truth that it has the amazing BS detector because at, a, at an energetic level, there is, you are picking up on other people's energy. And mm -hmm. when you can feel the, the lack of integrity and the lie, the lie itself has energy. Mm -hmm. But what happens is when you get that feeling of know that something's not right. Yeah, it's, just, it's can't, a little bitty whisper, really. Right, it's a little whisper. But yeah. then especially if you can't, if your mind can't immediately back it up with logical reason, mm -hmm. reasoning why you're hesitating, then the mind starts to discount that inner knowing mm -hmm. and that feeling. Right. And so you're, you're sabotaging yourself, right? You're in that way, given whatever belief systems you have going on and how strongly your how strong your conditioning is and how deeply you trust or distrust yourself. Mm-hmm your mind will override your inner knowing. You'll mm -hmm. convince yourself that, oh no, the facts on the ground are more compelling and it's just, oh, I'm just having this you know, uneasy feeling because I've never done this before, because I've never invested in real estate before. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's true, right? There, in, there is such a, there's a, a subtle difference between fear that is uh, coming from a place of you, you're stretching your boundaries, right? In a good way. You're doing something you haven't done before. And, and the, the discomfort of knowing when something's wrong, mm -hmm. that something's off. And this is also where, you know, not only trust in yourself comes in, but faith in yourself. Because mm -hmm. it takes a lot of faith to, if you're getting a no, Mm -hmm. Like if somebody says, Hey, do you want to invest in this? Uh, and it looks great on the outside and you're getting a no internally to say no, right. To trust that even though all the, you know, supposed facts, everything looks wonderful that you're going to say no, because of course, then the mind goes, but wait, you're going to miss out. Right. You're going to miss out yeah. on that fight, that fantastic return. And you'll never get another opportunity like this again. And then yeah. people will tell you that because yeah. they know that's what's going on. Exactly. In your and mind. The, the thing is, there's yes. always another opportunity. Yes. Like, there but, always is. And scarcity will get you in trouble. Like the scarcity. Absolutely. Time after time after time. And so, right. Like the, and that's one of the things I've had to learn, not, not necessarily with, with investments. I, I should say like, even, I guess 
my business is an investment in, in me and my life. Like whenever I rush or I hurry yes. or anything, you know what? It is the wrong thing every single time. And yes. I, th I think that's one of my lessons is to slow down yes, and analyze a little bit more. And if, and if they're like, come on, come on. And I'm, I'm just like, sorry, I just got to say no. It's just not Right. And I, I've had to learn that because you know me, I like to go fast. I'm like, Let, yes. let's get some stuff and keep <laughs> moving. And um, that is just not uh, the way the universe wants me to do things. Like so, some yes. people do operate well that way. Not this girl. You can when you're really clear, right? Mm -hmm. So a good rule of thumb here for people to take away, this will, if it's not a strong internal yes, mm -hmm. it's automatically a no. Right. You apply that rule in your life, mm -hmm. you will be spared so much pain oh, yeah. <laughs> and suffering and struggle. So if it's not a clear yes, even if it's like, oh, I'm not sure, it's a no for now, mm -hmm. right? It's a no for now. And, but, but getting to the point where you can move forward on that no and you're just like, I, it's a no and, and it doesn't, matter what I may or may not miss out on because I do know and I do trust that there are other opportunities that will come that are probably even better than this one. Oh yeah. Right. And that's the problem is because especially when people are under a lot of stress, they allow themselves to convince themselves or be convinced by others that there are not any other opportunities. And exactly. the faith part is when you cannot see what other opportunities there are but you still say no to things that are a no for you. And I was in that position when, you know, kind of like coming back to the story, the SEC was going after me. It, they, didn't, they didn't come after me until I actually had a really good job at Merrill Lynch. Oh. <laughs> well, let's, let, let's talk yes. about who come after you. Do the guys in the black suits knock on your door? Like what happens when the SEC- Papers. <laughs> papers shut up first, you know, the lawsuit papers. Uh -huh. So I felt like, I was trying to like leave it behind, right? I was like, oh my God. And I, I didn't want to, it was so painful for me. I didn't want to look at it anymore. Right. I was like, it's somehow going to fix itself. You know, I don't know. This is all going to go away. And interestingly, I had a client just a couple of weeks ago who came to me with a very similar situation oh, yeah. where ages ago, he made a decision that violated, you know, some kind of securities laws. He was also in financial services. And now it's 10 years later and it's coming back around to bite him. Hey. And just... You know, and he, and for him, he paid, everybody was paid back. There was no, mm -hmm. um, except for, you know, there was the violation of the law, but everybody was whole mm -hmm. long ago. So for it to come back around now is even more like, what the heck is going on? Right. Mm -hmm. So in my situation, I ended up getting, you know, to a place, um, this was around, uh, 2000, I guess, five mm -hmm. that, Actually, so the original, the, the, I, the timing, I, it's so long ago now. And <laughs> there are parts of me who've, that are very much wanted to forget this, right? Yeah. Um, but it, so then the, the SEC got into it. So then I had to hire an attorney. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was in, gosh, I ended up being in debt with legal fees uh, for $60,000. Oh, ouch. You know, easy. And I was, I was actually talking with a bankruptcy attorney because, mm -hmm. and then I had just recently gotten married. And so you want to talk about, compounding even more guilt, I felt like the giant lead anchor mm -hmm. pulling my husband under, right? right? Someone yeah. who I deeply cared and loved about. And that's, you know, again, when these feelings of like, well, maybe it's just time for me to exit the planet. Yeah. Huh? That would be the alleviation of my, the pain mm -hmm. that I was in, um, came up very strongly. But then it got to the point where we reached a settlement with the SEC and with, with the lawsuits. And I was at that point that I'm like, how am I ever going to be able to pay this back? Right. You know? and, and for me, it was really, even you know, with the, the monetary portion paid off because it was a settlement, it was a percentage of not mm -hmm. in whole, there was still the part of me that was, felt hugely ashamed and guilty yeah, yeah. because these people were not whole and I did not have the ability to make them whole mm -hmm. financially. Um, so there was all of that that I drug around, gosh, for, you know, 15 years, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Never feeling good enough. But I got to the point where everything was so painful to me that I, you know, in looking back on it, it was a blessing because I was pushed to the point of surrendering mm -hmm. and not surrendering as in giving up. I'm not trying, but 
stop trying to figure out from my limited perspective, my mind's limited awareness of what opportunities could come up. And I, so for me, I said, F it, mm -hmm. I'm done. Right. I yeah, cannot yeah. take this anymore. You know, I was working again, trying to prove my worth, especially mm -hmm. now that I was, you know, in trouble with, you know, with the SEC, prove my worth to my director, who was an mm -hmm. authority figure at Merrill Lynch, because he believed in me enough to give me the job. I felt obligated to prove my worth to him. So I was at the office at 11 p.m. every oh. night. Yikes. And he would actually come into the office mm -hmm. at 11 p.m. and he would see me sitting there. And I knew in his mind, he's like, Christine's a hard worker. Oh. She's, she's earning her keep, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it just perpetuated this uh, really destructive cycle in me of having to prove my worth because I felt even more unworthy, right? Mm -hmm. At that point, it's like sub-zero feeling right. yeah, unworthiness. Yeah. But I got to the point where I just, I could not take it anymore emotionally, mentally, everything. And I just went into his office one day and I was like, I'm sorry, but I have to quit. I just started bawling, which of course, you know, as you're not supposed to do, it's not professional. Crying, yeah, and financial. I didn't really care at that point. It was literally, I'd gotten to the point where I'm like, I cannot, I obviously have effed up my life so bad. <laughs> like God, universe, source, whatever you are, mm -hmm. you're gonna have to show me the way, higher self, mm -hmm. something better, because all I see is blackness. I see right. absolute yeah, no hopelessness. Hope. Mm -hmm. I mean, my husband was wonderful. You know, he was a bright point in my life. My couple of my friends, like you and some other close friends who were trying to, you know, prop me up when mm -hmm. I was just, you know, a ball of mess. Yeah, good. Um, but I let go. And I was like, you know what? Do what you will, because I'm already on the brink of declaring bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. I've already gotten in all this trouble. I'm already so emotionally tapped out from everything that's happened mm -hmm. over the last, uh, you know, like five years of this, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what it was, that if it's my time to go off the planet, that's great. There you go. You don't yeah. have to be hurting so much anymore. So then, um, so then what happened? Like, how'd you get out of it? Let's talk about that, because I think, I think there's a lot of people who are probably in a similar situation. Like they've made a mistake. Maybe it's financially, maybe it's another way in their life. What'd you do? Let's talk about a few tips. Cause, um, yeah. and, and just give people a few tips to, to chew on here before we wrap her up. Like what's the, what's the, yeah. So, so, cause I love to give action. I call them action steps, right? <laughs> That's like the, the coachy part of me. So I will, I'll take some notes here. You know, I'm listeners. taking them. I got, I got them. There. Uh, and, and for the listeners of the, the action steps to take, because number one, I would say what was so key is me essentially allowing to release myself mm -hmm. from, if you want to call it your, my ego mind's control and limitation for just long enough for like a good opportunity to sneak in the door, right? I cracked the door enough given this point of surrendering to allow a good opportunity, which I'll tell you what it is in just a second, to come in. And I was also very blessed to have friends who were supporting me and took me to the right place to receive this opportunity physically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the things I would say that the first action step is, is to realize that the mindset, the behaviors, the belief systems that got you into the mess in the first place mm -hmm. are not going to be the ones that can get you out of the mess. Oh yeah. That's huge. You can't, you can't, you can't with those belief, those same belief systems, you can't mm -hmm. see the new opportunity. Right. So the first step is really, you have to be willing to change. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to really look at where, what's getting in the way, my belief systems, what behaviors have I been particip you know, participating in or doing that are unsupportive of the life that I really want to have? Mm -hmm. And do the work, do the inner work, do the change work, mm -hmm. even if it's on yourself, if it's in the form of journaling, the, you know, out what the, one of the questions I love to use with my, my coaching clients is what needs to be cleared, released, healed, uh, or transformed in order for me to X, Y, Z, like in order for me to 
make better financial decisions, in order for me to believe in myself, yeah. in and, order and, for me to a, a get the job question. I want. Because here's the deal. When you ask yourself that question, the answer will come in instantly. Like yep. it always does. And, and you may not want to believe the answer, but the first thing yes. that comes in is, is always the right answer to that. Yes. And that's why I say, write it down. The mm -hmm. first, you know, in NLP, as you know, mm -hmm. it's like first, first thought, best thought. Mm -hmm. So write down what comes, allow yourself the grace of what, of believing and allowing whatever wants to come through to come through. And then you can go back and look at it later. Right. Mm -hmm. But write it down <laughs> because instantly your mind's going to come in and go, no, 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 that's not right. That's not the right answer. What is the right answer? It has to be a better answer. It has to be one that I can think of. Yeah. Right, instead of one that just pops in. So first action step, be willing to change. Second action step, ask yourself that question. The third one would be when, when God, the divine source, whatever you want to call it, life, the universe, puts a new opportunity into your field of awareness, uh -huh. follow it, <laughs> right? So it will, you know, in human design, they talk about uh, re reacting and responding to, to the world, same as an NLP. So, you know, from a, an energetic, if you want to call it from a manifestation standpoint, from even, you know, a I create my life standpoint, mm -hmm. when you desire something, it's, you know, we live in a mirroring universe, it will come back to you in some form. Mm -hmm. So I was very much desiring a way out of the pain. Right. And a something, you know, to show up that was better than what I had. Mm -hmm. And the way it showed up for me was two of my friends took me to one of these multi-speaker events. It was on personal development. Mark mm -hmm. Victor Hansen was there, Robert Allen, and some other speakers who I don't remember at this point, but T. Harvecker was there. Mm -hmm. And something in what he said, and I don't remember what it was exactly, but again, it was that internal. Mm -hmm. It was a yes there's something here for me. I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but yes. And what I believe he was able to do in whatever he shared is he was able to inspire me to have hope. There you go. Hope that I could have a better life. Mm -hmm. Hope that I could feel like myself again, that I could, uh, there was actually a possibility. There was a way out, even if I didn't know what it was, right. out of whatever, my pain and my struggle. So I ended up going to, I was so in, in, intrigued and really desperate mm -hmm. for hope that I, I flew from Texas all the way up to Toronto, Canada, because oh. that was the next um, event he was speaking at. And at mm -hmm. the time he was doing live events and it was called the Millionaire Mind Intensive. Mm -hmm. Now, of course that, you know, it's like you hook them in with what, uh, you hook them in with what they want and you give them what they need mm -hmm. completely applied to that event. Because mm -hmm. even though it was called the millionaire mind intensive, it was all personal development and inner mm -hmm. exploration in that three day event. So I went there and it was so profound for me because I was in the space of hope and possibility. Mm -hmm. And that was the, the event the experience that I had that actually opened that door for me. And this go. was actually, this was actually, sorry, this was actually prior to me quitting the job at Merrill mm -hmm. Lynch. But then when I quit the job at Merrill Lynch, I was like, I'd end up purchasing some additional programs from Harv, all live events. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I have this time on my hands now. I'm already <laughs> going to declare bankruptcy. So I might as well like fly myself to these events and you know, try and get some good out mm -hmm. of something before yeah. I declare bankruptcy. And it was at, I think it was only like a month and a half after I quit my job. It was sitting in one of those events and he never, ever talked about job openings at his company. Mm -hmm. And he starts talking about these job um, openings. And I think the event was life, it was about life purpose. And I had been, you know, doing the exercises just like with everybody else about what do you want to create in your life? Mm -hmm. You know, and I was like, oh God, I, I really want to empower people. I don't know what it's called. You know, I don't, I just, I don't know, but it's like, it's helping to inspire people, helping to empower people. And really what I was, you know, part of it is I wanted healing for myself. Yeah, totally. And I wanted to help other people heal, heal and not go through mm -hmm. what I was going through, or at least not hang out in that that bad place, mm -hmm. that undesirable place for as long as I did. 
And then all of a sudden he, he's all like naming off all these tech things that I can't do. And I'm like, God, I, I would so love to work with him because it's a place of growth and inspiration and hope, uh-huh. you know, and possibility. And he gets to the very last thing. And he says, basically, I'm looking for someone to create my high-end retreat program. There have been, you know, it's like the top of his programs because he had, his clients were asking for something. What's next? What's next? And it's like a mastermind retreat program. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he said it, literally Tracy, it was like a lightning bolt hit me and I jumped out of my seat. It was completely involuntary. (laughs) And I was like going, Oh my God. Oh my God. That's it. Oh, this is it. This is it. This is the thing. Uh And my friends around me were like, woman, what happened to you? (laughs) It's like, did did Jesus, you know, descended upon you. You're having like the Holy spirit. Yeah. Uh Or something. And maybe I think I was, you know, in one, in, in hindsight, but it was such a strong yes. Uh-huh. And the, 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 the thing is, is a lot of people think it has to be that strong of a yes in order for it to be a, a yes. And most of the time it does not come as that strong of a yes. Yeah. And I was like, this is it. And I'm like, this is my opportunity. Like I knew that and I had zero else to lose. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, going for it a hundred percent. Now, the other trap that people can fall into is when that new opportunity shows up, they think it's got to happen right away. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be easy if it's the right opportunity. No, it's going to well, be hard. Are you kidding? It can be. It can be. And the, the insight I've gotten really actually quite recently is what, what I, I would call the splatter zone. Okay. So when you are in that place of the fear and the desperation and all the shame and the guilt, and you're projecting that out, you know, and that's the energy you're putting out for years. For me, it was. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for people, it's a lifetime, you know, their whole entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's like you can get the new opportunity, but you still have been putting that out there for so long that given, you know, time and space, I'll call it that for now, you still got some crap yeah. <laughs> to work through, right? The repercussions, the consequences mm-hmm. of that way of thinking and being that you were for so long. And so it doesn't necessarily happen right away. It can, like the opportunity can be easy. It can come, it's aligned. The clearer you get, the more that happens. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, when you get the yes, this is where the faith part and the trust in yourself is so important because it's going to allow you to walk through the splatter zone when you're like, hey, I thought I'm now thinking right. I'm now putting out, you know, what I want. I'm now, I've got my beliefs cleaned up. Why is my life still look like crap? <laughs> you know, that's the splatter zone, right? It's like yeah, the swarm lo- of locusts that was, and you're driving down the road and it's up ahead and you created it five years ago. You're going to hit this swarm of locusts and it's going to be splatter, splatter, splatter all over your windshield. But eventually you get to the other side of the swarm. And that comes from the place of creating from that clarity and that trust and that faith and that knowing and the beliefs and the ways of being that support that. Mm -hmm. So it took me seven months of trying, of going to every event that Harv was at, putting Mm -hmm. myself in front of him, auditioning to be one of his trainers, which I didn't really want to do, but I'm like, if he's there, I'm there, Uh right? This is where the action part, your part of of co-creating with the universe and co-creating your life, if you want to call it that, comes in. You have to follow up with the aligned actions. And I literally, I got to the point, the brink again, where it's seven months down the road and my husband's going, maybe you should look for a job. (laughs) You know? And then, so that's what happens. Then people start to say things like that or you start to think things like that and you start to doubt yourself. And I literally, I reached the point where again, it was that place of surrender. I was like, okay, I've been you know, balls to the wall with this, pardon the expression, for seven months. Mm-hmm. Did I get it wrong? Did I misinterpret that strong yes? Did I go down the wrong path, God, universe? Or am I just inches from the finish line? Uh-huh. Right? Because that's when the stuff gets really thick a lot of times. is when you are just inches from getting that thing you want, from stepping into a whole new way of being, of, you know, achieving what you want to, and you give up. And so I said, you got to tell me, like, you got to tell me now because I don't know. Uh-huh. And I was crying and I checked my inbox and there was nothing, you know, as far as the job. And I was like, you got to show me, like, send me an email. I love really obvious stuff. Yeah, send me a letter, 
phone call, all great. And I was crying and I looked up and no joke, Tracy, I looked up and I saw not a new email, it was down. I had not seen it somehow, <laughs> it was, or it was not there before. I don't know exactly how this played out, but it was an email and I opened it and basically it said, you've got the job. Perfect. And I was literally, I was so dumbfounded in that moment. I'm like, did I just experience a miracle? I think I did. Yeah. I think it was a miracle. I think that was a real miracle. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. Right. Uh -huh. And then of course, you know, throughout that transition, because just, you know, for context, everybody, I was in zero way on paper at all qualified for that job. Mm -hmm. Zero. I had no experience creating programs or retreats or, you know, and I was like high end people. I'm like the one in debt here and I'm going to go ask somebody for $20,000 mm -hmm. for this five day retreat. Like, what am I thinking? But I was so desperate that it was actually a gift. My desperation in that time was a gift because I was like, I don't care what I'm just going for it because I have nothing to lose. Well, and I, th I think there's something to be said for that. Um, yeah. Because and that's what, that's what for me turned everything around and opened up this whole entire new chapter on my well, life. I would not be doing what I am now otherwise. Well, right. So, so let's talk real quick about mm -hmm. what you're doing now, how people can get a hold of you and um, all that good stuff. Yeah. So what I love to help people with is to help them move past their own limitations and move past whatever it is that's blocking them. And, you know, and, and really step into the clarity about what they want, about what needs to be let go, letting go of all of that through the different, you know, transformational modalities I use, like neuro-linguistic programming, working at energetic, you know, and soul levels, mm -hmm. um, in, in the clearing work that I do, and really getting to a place of even allowing yourself to have the good life, the great life that you, that you want, mm -hmm. all of the goodness that is really possible for you and being very, and from a, coming from a very strategic place. And like I said, you can do the asking, right? You can think the great thoughts, you can reconfigure your beliefs, but it doesn't matter how long you meditate for, like the bag of money <laughs> or the great relationship is not going to fall on your head, right? <laughs> so there's aligned action. And that's where people really get tripped up and why I love to support people and being accountable in not only making those shifts, but taking the aligned actions mm -hmm. and helping them overcome that, that mind chatter. So the, the work that I do is deeply transformational. It gets absolutely amazing results for people. And it allows, you know, at the real, at the core, it allows people to perceive new opportunities for themselves so that they can actually have them. Because if you can't perceive something different for yourself, you can't take action on it. You can't allow it in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it's, it's all of this, this shifting, this transformation, this healing work mm -hmm. that uh, goes on that allows you to perceive differently. So you can see the opportunities that are all around you to have and be and do whatever it is that you want that you're just getting in your own way. Right. And a really important uh, point here, and you'll agree on this, uh, Tracy, is that it's not other people who are getting in our own way. It's, it's ourselves. Because oh, it's all, all we yourself. Can, yeah. Yeah. All we can ever control is ourselves and our responses to what's happening in the world or to other people. And the... The, if we think we can control other people, all of that, that's a complete BS. Now people will change in response to you being different. Oh right? yeah. They will. They will. But it's not you making them different. It's you being different, making quote, making yourself different so that the way the world and other people respond to you is different. And it's like, oh my gosh, now magically I've had a client say, oh my God, my daughter's changed so much. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I said, well, you've changed. So yeah. of course, number one, you're going to see her differently. 
But number two, she's going to respond to you differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. How can people get a hold of you? What do they need yes. to do? Let's talk about they that. Can go, they can go to christineparma.com and I've got um, up at, you can learn more about me there, first of all, and the work that I do. And also up in the navigation bar, you'll see a, a tab that says free resources. You can always click there and grab uh, one of my most recent resources. I, I help a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, and company leaders who uh, really want to transform themselves and their businesses in the way that they help in their clients and serve the world. And also people who are really um, looking to find that joy again for themselves, there you find go. that joy yeah. and happiness. And something, somehow, somewhere along the way, they lost it, they know something's missing, and they haven't been able to figure out how to get to that place of joy again. And I love people. I love helping people do that. Oh, and you're good at it too. You're good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and, so and how to get to the other side of it. So make sure, uh, get in touch with Christine. She is fantastic. If you call her Nikki, she will like you more. And, <laughs> um, and uh, thank you. Tracy thank sent you. you. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell them I sent you. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.